Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 332, and we are so happy to be back. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We took around two weeks off, and we are so happy to be back behind the microphone today. Yeah, it feels weird to have taken such a long kind of impromptu time off, but I do think it was a good time for us to recharge. Hopefully you got to do the same thing with your family over the Thanksgiving holiday, kind of as we ramp up towards Christmas. And that's really what our theme for today's podcast is. We want to talk about Thanksgiving. So kind of what we did on Thanksgiving, which consists of eating, of course, and then seeing a movie in Kanto. And then we're going to be talking about what is to come with Christmas and the holidays, specifically with the Festival of the Holidays. Yeah, so a lot to cover today. And this episode is made possible by our Patreon. We are so thankful for all of our patrons over there. We just released our November Patreon-exclusive episode of the month. It was all about the past and present favorite traditions that we have in Disney parks. We talked a lot about the history of the Candlelight Processional, We talked about the history of Toys for Tots and how that went back and connected with Walt Disney and the animators and so much more. So if you are interested in that, it is only $5 a month. It goes directly towards the cost of producing this podcast, and we would be so thankful and grateful to have you over there. You can check that out at patreon.com slash detour to Neverland or click the link down in the show notes below. And again, thank you to our patrons. So lot to get through today. Let's start with Encanto, right? Let's do it. Okay, so we saw Encanto on the day before Thanksgiving. Crazily enough, we tried to buy our tickets about a week out, and they were completely sold out in Disney Springs on Thanksgiving Day. They were sold out on our other... Not completely sold out. Sold out in the early time period. In the time frame that we wanted to go. Which we've never had that problem before. No, we haven't. And so we ended up going the night before. And it was a pretty full theater. And that's maybe... How do you think they did on the marketing for this movie going into it? I mean, I think they did a great job. I think this movie just overall, just kind of looking at it from the outside in, it's very colorful. The music is great. They're talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda doing the music. And I think they're really focusing on the fact that it's a family movie. I mean, obviously it's Disney, but I think the release date plays a huge part in that. I know for my family in particular, we always had a tradition of going to the movies for Thanksgiving because it's one of those things like, what else do you do? I know your family watched football. You're also a family of boys. My family, a family of girls. We do not care for football. So we always drug my father out of the house to the movie theater. And it seems like, based off what you just said and kind of what we experienced with full theaters, that's a lot of other people's traditions too. How do we get out of the house? We're all together as a family. We have off from school, work, whatever it might be. 
I have not seen any of the box office numbers yet. I was guess they'll come out on Monday because this is still technically it's opening weekend. We're recording this on Sunday. So I think it probably did pretty well. I think most theaters around the country are open again. I don't know. You are someone you want streaming as an option. I am very adamant about being pro streaming. I loved being able to just sit on our couch with our dogs underneath our blankets, you know, in the comfort of my own home to watch movies. Now, Brendan brought up a good point. A lot of the movies that I was able to watch from our couch, we weren't huge fans of like Mulan and Onward. We didn't like Raya. I think we're in the... We might be the minority for that, but that's okay. But the ones that we watched from home weren't our favorite, but I don't think that had anything to do with the fact that we were at home. I will say you are a big movie goer. This time around, seeing Encanto, this was probably the best movie viewing experience I've ever had. We went to a Sinopolis. Which apparently that's not how you pronounce it. It's like a Spanish word, but we're going to say Sinopolis. This is our American Southern version of how we say it. And it was a great viewing experience. I mean, it was very clean. The seats were very comfortable. There was plenty of room between us. So it was me, Brendan, and my sister. So our little family unit and the other people around us, um, not that they were social distancing or anything, but just the way that the seats were laid out. Right, it right was, on top of each other. It was nicely spread out, which is usually my problem. And it was great. So uh, my feedback would be if you're coming down here and look, let's call a spade a spade. The AMC, specifically the one at Disney Springs, is really having staffing issues, as with a lot of other places right mm-hmm. now. And I do not blame them and everybody there every time we've been there, has been working super hard. And I want to support them because I think, you know, now with the news of D23, it looks like downtown Disney might not have a movie theater anymore. I don't know what the plan is for that, but it's possible that they're completely taking it away. I think there needs to always be a movie theater in a Disney shopping district. So It I, makes sense. Yeah, and I think for some of the huge movies, the way that they do premieres is just unmatched. So I hope that it succeeds. But if you're coming down for a vacation or if you're in the Orlando area, there are other options besides just the AMC. Because the last couple of times we've been, it hasn't been the typical A little less than desirable Yes, is what we've experienced. Sinopolis, which we know that's not how it's pronounced, but you get the point. You'll be able to find it. It was A+. There's one in Winter Garden. There's one in Davenport. I'm sure there's one on the east side of the city. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty saturated in this market. But let's talk about the movie. So what did you think? I really, really, really liked it. I had fairly low expectations going in, and I didn't really read many reviews other than we had a lot of friends go to the D23 or Destination D pre-screening for this movie. So they saw it, I think, on Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday. So just a few days before us. Yes. And actually, it might have even been the weekend before. I think it was the weekend before. Friday before. Anyway, that's besides the point. The word that kept coming up that everybody was saying was, oh, it's very wholesome. It's very family friendly. And I kind of thought, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean there's not much substance here? And no, that's not what it meant. 
<laughs> it means, and by the way, this is going to be spoiler filled. So if you haven't seen the movie. Just like fast forward a little. Yeah. Fast forward until you hear us talking about Epcot food and we're done with it. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was just beautifully done. My immediate reaction was I put it up against Moana and Coco as far as my favorite movies over the last 10 years. And I, because I'm a big Frozen fan, I put it up there with Frozen. And Brendan asked this question, so I'll ask you guys because I had a hard time answering it. But Brendan asked me on the car ride home, okay, there are kind of two big movie makers in Disney films right now. You have the Lopez couple. Not movie makers, music makers. Well, they make the music for the movies. Yeah, but they don't make They're the, the music movie. movie makers. I don't know. They've cre- yes, music. Musicians, composers, I should say. You have the Lopez couple who did all the music for Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. And then of course you have Lin-Manuel Miranda who now has done the music for Moana Coco? No, I don't think he did Coco. Not Coco. Okay, Moana and definitely Encanto and Hamilton. I, you know, you can't go wrong with either of them. My preference probably leans Lin-Manuel Miranda. But if you haven't watched the making of Frozen 2 documentary that they put on Disney+, Plus, I have my own thoughts about that whole series as a whole. But the Lopez's are a huge bright spot of it. The way that they are able to advance story through song is remarkable. And but Lin Manuel Miranda does that very well too. That's his Broadway influence, I think. Yeah, and that's something that you really appreciated throughout this movie. I'd say for me, something that I was very nervous about because it's something that we talked about with the Eternals, when you have so many characters in one film, it makes me a little nervous like how are we going to become attached to all of these different people? So you have Mirabelle, who's your main character, but then you have all of her siblings and cousins and extended family members who are all living in the house together. And I was just nervous that you wouldn't get to see each of their little personalities. And I do think that this movie as a whole did a very good job of kind of unfolding everything so that obviously you're focused on her, but you also get to see kind of what they're going through And just the overall character development, I loved. One quick note. I did look it up. Music for Coco. The original score was composed by Michael Giacchino, but songs created by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. So, the Lopez, man. They are great. They're the two big players right now. The Lopez's I'm putting together. And Lin-Manuel They're a package deal normally. They are. I don't think they work individually. I don't think so. That's sweet. It's adorable. Um, But like I was saying, I just think the character development was great. So again, spoilers. But my two favorite parts of the whole movie, I think, were getting to see the relationship that she had with her sisters and just kind of breaking those stereotypical ideas that, you know, her sister Louisa is so strong she must have it all together and to see that she was very emotional and that she was having a hard time literally carrying the weight of the whole family gave her a lot of anxiety. And then I liked seeing that her 
sister Isabella, the perfect one, I liked seeing that she didn't like being the perfect one. She didn't like, you know, having to carry that persona. So I think it's a good message just for kids to be able to see. And I th- I like the dichotomy between the way that Isabella was animated versus the way that Mirabelle was animated. Because Isabella has like a Moana face or like an Honor Elsa face. A princess face. She and, was perfect. Yeah. And Mirabelle was a little bit more relatable, a little bit more real. You know, she wears the glasses. She's a little quirkier. I thought, like you said, the, the messaging and the... The meaning behind all of that was very intentional, but it wasn't something that was just done for the heck of it. It played into the story, which I think made it even more impactful. Well, and then some of the other characters, maybe we didn't get to see them as much, but like her parents, for example, like you were still able to see the relationship between Mirabelle and her parents and kind of how they viewed her and then, you know, tying it back into the abuela and how they had the relationship with her, even being, you know, the matriarch of the entire family. I just really liked the dynamics between everyone. Like I said, that was what I was most nervous about going into it. You really liked Mirabel and Antonio's relationship too. That to me was so sweet. I wish we could have gotten more Mirabel and Antonio. To, to me, that needs to be like the next shorts. Like all these Olaf shorts, I'm here for Olaf. But give us more Antonio and all of his little animal friends. So here's maybe my next question for you. Something that we discussed was Antonio has the toucan. But really, other than that, there's not a sidekick. It's really all Mirabelle. Yes. And does the house play as the sidekick? I don't know. I mean, can like the setting be a sidekick? Does that make sense? Yeah, but it has personality. It does have personality. I know the rats were kind of, I mean, it was Bruno's sidekick. But I kind of like it. I kind of liked not having a Pua or a Hey Hey or a Dante mm-hmm. to kind of fall back on for comedic relief. It was kind of all of it was on Mirabelle, but I think the way that the character was done is she could support it. And I don't feel like we were missing comedic relief like throughout the movie. Like I never thought, oh, this is boring or I'm not laughing. Now, the one part with the toucan where the toucan was kind of following Mirabelle into Bruno's door, that's my sister started hitting me. She was like, the sidekick. And then it flew away. And that was really all we saw of the toucan. But maybe that was like their play on it. Like they knew people would be looking for one. Yeah. So we have talked a little bit about the music and kind of what you mentioned, but I want to hit it further home is that it's become more so in the last 15, 20 years where they really use song to move the story forward. They're not songs that are just meant to be like a break or something to be played on the radio. Like, as much as I love Lion King, and it's a classic, none of those songs really move the story forward as much. Be Prepared would be the best example of one. Well, and it's interesting. I didn't even know you were going to bring up Lion King, but that's the one that automatically came to mind, too. 
Like you have Hakuna Matata and that whole scene. And instead of using the music to, you know, move the story along, they just do that progression where you can see Simba as a cub and as a teenager and then in his adult form. So it's not necessarily the music there. It's not Hakuna Matata that moves the story along. It's that they put the animation with Hakuna Matata. Yeah. And look, it's no secret. I love theater and the way that you know you have to leave no, that I'm don't you dare theater <laughs> you just said that with no prompting <laughs> yeah. i love performing arts that's what i'll leave it as okay <laughs> and i love how that has influenced these disney movies of using song and lyrics that are actually a part of the story i think you see that a ton in coco you see that a lot in Frozen, like the one more step. I mean, that's a huge momentous occasion for Anna. Mm-hmm. And she's doing it through song lyrics instead of through dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, this movie, I won't say it perfected it, but it dug even deeper into that idea of that song can be intermixed. I wouldn't call this a musical, but it's leaning towards that way in a way where every song is not just something that you're going to play on the soundtrack. I think you still can. You definitely could. But it's also an integral part of the story. Now, what I'll also say about the music is I liked that there was a lot of variety in the different styles of music. Now, again, by no means do we know really anything about music other than we just like listening to it. But all the songs didn't sound the same. And I don't want to say, I mean, I guess I'll say it. It kind of reminded me of the song that they gave Kristoff in Frozen 2, The Lost in the Woods, where that was a drastically different sound than the rest of the songs. Um, It was very non-traditional. I feel like when you looked at the sisters' songs, like Isabella and Louisa, their songs were very different than like the welcome to the family madrigal thank you i yeah that one (laughs) yeah they all have their little personalities yeah i mean i thought it was very well done if you have any my viewpoint on it is and i still haven't been able to pinpoint what exactly would have put it over the top for me i say this is like a nine out of ten it's like a near classic and just for comparison i think coco is a classic i think moana is a classic i guess that's controversial i don't know i mean frozen frozen is a classic yeah even though i yeah you, frozen, you hate to say it i don't hate to say it you hate to say no, it i don't hate to say it i i really like frozen i do i like how much frozen is shoved down our throats in the parks <laughs> maybe not but as a movie as a movie franchise i really like them and they're classics. At least the first one, second one, it it's almost there. I think what our biggest kind of, if we're being very, very nitpicky, the biggest problem that we had was you had this, not conflict, but this kind of unsaid rift between... Um, Grandma. What, Abuela and... My gosh. Mirabelle. Mirabelle. I just... <laughs> I kept wanting to say Marigold, and I was like, why am I trying to say Marigold? It's not her name. Mirabelle. And 
you know, that kind of unspoken tension between them, I feel like was mended very, very quickly at the end. Like everything fell apart. And I almost wish Abuela would have found her and like started yelling at her or something. Like show that same kind of emotion or frustration that you had this entire time. Like I do like that she was able to kind of explain why she felt that way. I think that was very important. But at the same time, I don't know, the mending of it just happened so fast that it was just a little weird to me. I think it did happen fast. And I think it's probably going to be something that the second time we watch it, it makes more sense to us. Because I think everything that we're looking for is there in the flashback scene. We just maybe didn't pick up on it. I was probably just crying. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. But I, I do think the flashback scene served that purpose. Now, do I wish it was 30, 45 seconds longer? Probably. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've seen some people say, like, should the grandfather, what's the, abuelo? Abuelo? Should, the, should he have, like, appeared and spoken to abuela mm-hmm. in a way? Uh, to me, like, this was a a mythological tale, a magical story. Fantastical. Yeah. And I just didn't think it needed that. So I don't know. I'm, I feel better about the resolution. I think it was more impactful about just being in that spot. And she even said, I have not been to this spot since I lost him. Well, you know, just in the same vein of all Disney movies, with like a tragic occurrence, that one is very sad. And it you hate to think about it because you hate to, I don't want to say you hate to admit that that kind of history happened because you need to realize that it happened. It's one of those things. But how sad because it almost took a real life event, something that really would have happened And then it kind of turned it into this fantastical, magical story. But it's based off of something that really happened. And I think this is where, this is where I love how Disney tells stories. Sometimes they sugarcoat things and they didn't have, they didn't go too graphic here. But if you are telling a true story that's based on Columbia, I think the colonization is a big part of that. And it's a part of that history and the culture and how those people were shaped for all of these years. So I think it's, you know, appropriate to kind of depict that this pain and the struggle is what led into this, and this I mean, conflict. It was a very different depiction of colonization than like, Pocahontas. Which I think is now why when you look back at Pocahontas, it makes you cringe a little bit because you know that it is a romanticization of colonization. That was a lot of (laughs) zations in a row. Yeah. Uh, They romanticized it. Yes. When it's, you don't have to show. What happened. You don't have to be gory, but just by showing the shadows of them riding on the horses and throwing the destroying the town and driving the people out. That was enough to say, this is real. You know, this isn't a, 
They didn't romanticize it. So I actually really liked that part. No, I liked it too. It was just, that was something that stood out to me. Yeah. As something that maybe you wouldn't have thought of seeing in a Disney movie. Okay, so who we haven't talked about yet is Bruno. He is maybe my favorite. No, he's my favorite. (laughs) Well, I guess he's just that good. I mean, what a character. And that's almost like the Hans surprise. Not to the same extent, I don't think. But just realizing, again, he was very misunderstood. Like, he didn't want these bad things to happen, but that's... You know, what people stick to, like the whole goldfish thing. That was funny. And I don't know. I just seeing that he was so misunderstood, but seeing how much he loved his family, the little scene where she was looking at his table with the plate that he had put on his table. I mean, come on. That just makes your heart want to rip out. It was just, I think it just shows again, it had a very family Wholesome was the word. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, it spoke. I was the youngest in my family for a long time. My cousin wasn't born until I was much older. So I was always like the youngest, most annoying person in the family. (laughs) And I think to me, it drew a lot of parallels of that, of, you know, yes, people are annoyed by you or they misunderstand you, but they do still love you. And they do still want you around. And I think it was really nice that it took them seeing how they were driving Mirabelle out for them to appreciate that they had really treated Bruno unfairly and poorly. Very poorly. Poor Bruno. Poor Bruno. I mean, he's funny. I really liked him. He was very, very good. Yeah. Talk about another like quirky character. He was great. So uh, last question I have for you is, do you think they will and do you think they should make a sequel? Oof. Oh, I'm typically not a huge fan of sequels because very rarely, if ever, do I think that the sequel is as good as the original. Besides Toy Story 3. Okay, Toy Story, yeah, I'll give you Toy Story 3. And even there, they should have stopped after that. But I don't know. I think you can make the argument for Frozen 2, but. You definitely could. Well, I mean, ultimately, it all depends on how the box office did after this week and kind of how it plays into the parks and how they can monetize it. Um, I will say it's a great movie, but at the end of the day, it's also not a princess movie. And there's not a lot of merchandise to be sold for this. I don't think either. Yes. You don't have the sidekick. There's no Olaf, you know, type plushie or something that they can really hone in on. And that's where I kind of think it falls into the same category of Coco, where it's an amazing movie, but I just don't know how you would do a sequel. That's where I think little shorts, little, they could do like a mini TV series type of thing on Disney plus where you show all the cousins and siblings and their little gifts and funny things that they do. And we can still get new content from these characters and this family, but I don't know if it would work as a movie. Yeah. 
I think there's more story to tell. I think there's more there that you could do. I mean, it almost launches straight into, you know, where do they go next? And, you know, are there more family members? You know, they could always go that route to tell more of the story. But I kind of, I would appreciate if they just left it alone. Mm -hmm. I hate to keep drawing the parallels to Coco, but to me, I do view it very similarly. And I think it's, it's just because they're, they're both musically driven and they're both painfully heartwarming. (laughs) And big families, like lots of characters, you get very invested in all of their own little stories and kind of what's going on with each one of them. I don't know. And it's, and it's not like a princess movie. You know, you have your main character who's going on their own adventure or in Mirabelle's case, like a self-discovery type of journey. That is something your sister commented that she was waiting for her to like traverse the mountains. Mm. And I like a, really liked that turn where it was almost leading you to think that, that Bruno was out somewhere in the wilderness. Uh-huh. And he's just there the whole time. <laughs> I yeah. really, some of those, the something we talked about right after we watched it was that this was a movie that even from the trailer, you kind of knew what the beginning was and what the end of the movie would be. And sometimes those fall flat on their face. I think if I'm, if we're, I guess, being as objective as possible, that is our problem with Raya was that you knew what the beginning and the end were and the middle kind of all fell in place exactly like you thought it would. Mm-hmm. This one, I think it had enough twist of Bruno actually just being in the walls, of Louisa and Isabella both being more um, deeper characters than you initially thought, of Abuela being vulnerable, her knowing that they were in a fragile state. You know, all those things I think led to keeping you enthralled all the way through. And I I don't even know what else to say to that. I just, I agree. Final rating? Final rating. You gave it a nine. I hate to be like a copycat, but I'd probably give it around the same. Probably a nine. I think it's a must see. I think, like you mentioned, it's something that I wouldn't even mind seeing again. If, you know, your family or friends or anyone wanted to see it again, I would definitely be down to even pay for another movie ticket to go see it again. I just think it was great. I want to hear the music again. I want to just listen to, like, the soundtrack. It's on Apple Music. Maybe I'll just listen. Maybe that's how I will start my day back at school in the morning. I'll just listen to the music. Well, that's the true test. You need to ask your kids how many of them saw it. Because mm. they're the target right around that age. They're the That's who they were going after. So, and do, we obviously understood this is a very deep and meaningful movie. Obviously, through a kid's eyes, it's different. I would be interested what a kid's takeaway is for this one. Yeah, I'm interested too. I'm going to have to ask. If we're being honest, like our niece loves Moana. She doesn't actually love the story of Moana. She loves Pua. And she likes the little sidekicky 
And she likes the water. Characters, yeah. So I'm curious if there's enough of that in in Kanto to keep kids interested. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so uh, for Thanksgiving, we went to Whispering Canyon Cafe. So if you listen last year, we ate on property for Thanksgiving as well. Our tradition is normally we stay here for Thanksgiving. I say tradition. It's been two years. Two years, but that's a habit. Yeah. Twice in a row. We've we stay here. in Orlando for Thanksgiving and we go back home for Christmas. Um, so this year, we were targeting this last year, but we weren't able to get it. This year, we decided to go to Whispering Canyon Cafe, which I dare say might be the most sought after reservation for Thanksgiving Day. Liberty Tree might beat it. But you do have to have a valid park reservation, which is the problem for people like us whose passes do not allow you to get into the parks. Which it did last year. We could go for Thanksgiving last year, but not. That's true. But I do I do think that Whispering Canyon has, because it's all you care to enjoy, that speaks to a lot of people. Because Thanksgiving is an all you care to enjoy type of holiday, and they do not skimp out. Yep. So if you're not familiar, Whispering Canyon Cafe is at Wilderness Lodge, which I think is the most beautifully decorated resort this time of year. You have said that already. Uh, no, I said that in our Patreon episode. Oh, so, <laughs> everything runs so our, together. <laughs> our patrons have heard that twice, but um, yeah. So I do have the menu here. want to read it real quickly for you guys. So for Thanksgiving Day, one day only, and this was your only option. You couldn't get yes. anything else. Starters, you had house-made Parker House Rose rolls with honey butter. Now, I will say that was not honey butter. Oh, yes, it was. I had honey butter. Did we have like flavor. two things? No. I, I mean, I was it enough. was it in your face honey butter? No. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But it was there. I just like how passionate you are about honey butter. I'm just trying to give the people real information. And then there was a salad with dried cranberries, seed brittle, and cranberry poppy seed vinaigrette. It was, it was okay. I. <laughs> Did you say I? Yeah, it wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, it had very little dressing. And for two unhealthy people like us, we need a lot of dressing yeah. to eat lettuce. We ate it anyway because we were with people. We didn't want to look like children. <laughs> but we weren't happy about it. Thanksgiving skillet came with oak smoked turkey and barbecue, all you care to enjoy, with cornbread stuffing, sauteed green beans, giblet gravy, Cranberry relish, slow smoked pulled pork, western style sausages, maple chipotle pork ribs, buttered corn, and smashed Yukon potatoes. And oh my goodness, it was amazing. I think it's safe to say for the both of us, our favorites were the smoked turkey. It was very well done. It was not dry at all. You could tell it was smoked, like it had a very Smoky flavor, which we like. We've gotten smoked turkey before. I love smoked turkey. So that was a knockout. The pulled pork was very good, but it's just not something that you would usually eat on Thanksgiving. So I had a little bite. Usually I would have loved it, but Thanksgiving, it was just okay. The sausage, though, was a table favorite. So I said we were there with other people. It was our friend Sarah and Jeff 
from Adults in Disney. We were eating together. They loved that too. And then I think for sides, it was pretty unanimous that it was mashed potatoes. Or what they they call them smashed. Yeah, which I think implies that the skins are on them. The skins were definitely there. Which I'm not typically a fan of, but it's okay. I let it go. And then the stuffing. The stuffing was awesome. And the gravy was really good. The gravy was very good. And I put it on practically everything. I I mean, if you don't, are you doing Thanksgiving correctly? We don't like cranberry sauce, but Sarah ate a lot of cranberry sauce. So I'd say. And she looked like she enjoyed it. Yeah. So I'd say it was good. Yeah. As far as cranberry sauces go. Exactly. And then for dessert, it was a little sampler. So you got three little pies. You could have ordered more, I imagine. I would wanted to. Yeah, I would imagine that they would bring you whatever you want. They're basically little tarts. Uh, so two of them are actually called tarts. A pumpkin tart with cinnamon whipped cream, a pecan tart with cream, and the flowers chocolate cake. The cake was probably my least favorite. Yeah. It was very dense and... Thick, as the kids say. It, okay, yeah. So it was very thick, dense, whatever you want to call it. I only ate maybe half of it. So the little pies were my favorite, but unfortunately, I guess because it was a tart or maybe it was just the way that it was done, the crust was not great. So I basically ate the insides and left the crust. It did not have a buttery flaky crust. It it did not. No. So yeah, you kind of had to scoop out the good part. But the presentation was a 10 out of 10 because they had little um, leaf and acorn sprinkles And then they had a chip and Dale on a little chocolate square. And one was a pilgrim and one was an Indian. I don't know if that's okay. I don't. Yeah. They were cute. (laughs) I don't think we are still. I think in 2021, we have left that signage behind. But Whispering Canyon missed the memo. Maybe it should have just been a little chip and Dale. That's fall enough. But they were a pilgrim and an Indian. Well, they were in a cornucopia. That would have been enough. Yeah. So. Presentation was nice. Little, yeah, a little weird. I, but I did like, though, that for this part, you got your own. Because the skillet, we did share, which wasn't a problem. I mean, it's family style. They'll bring you more. But it would have been weird to have to share, like, a piece of pie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I would have rather just gotten three slices of pie. Like, if they just gave you an option. If they just said, here are our desserts for the day. Uh, Yeah, and you could say, I want all three, or I just want one. Yeah, like, I just want a piece of pumpkin pie. Yeah, because really real... all I wanted was the pecan pie. Yeah, and they just give you, like, a real piece. Yeah. I always get nervous and self-conscious this time of year because I know our listeners at home are saying, it's pecan, you dummy. Or it's, what's the other way you say that word? Pecan, pecan. I would just say Pecan. Well, that's what I say. Yeah. But some people say pecan. Or pecan. Pe- oh, gosh. Nobody <laughs> says that. No. Uh, your grandma doesn't say pumpkin. She says pumpkin. Pumpkin. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> uh, we had some of that, too. It was good. It so was great. So all of this was, and we did not get any special alcoholic beverages, mainly because we didn't think we had any room in our Stomachs. And we did not. It was a good call on our part. For Thanksgiving, you need to worry about the eating, stuffing your face, and not the drinking. We got sweet tea. We probably should have just got water. Water would have been no the No calories that aren't 
Thanksgiving food. Exactly. But it was a great meal. We left absolutely stuffed. $45 per person, which honestly, after tax and tip and everything, I think we paid drinks. It was like, I don't know, 110, 120. But you did get a discount, right? We did. Yep. We did get an annual pass holder discount on that. And, you know, honestly, if we were preparing a Thanksgiving meal, our groceries wouldn't be too far off of that price, depending on how big of a turkey we got. I was going to say, turkeys can be expensive. Now, we probably, just for the two of us, we probably just would have got like a breast or something and not like a full full turkey. However, I really don't, I would be happy paying that again. Oh, I would definitely recommend it. If you're going to be in the area for Thanksgiving and you don't want to cook, I would recommend really anywhere on property. Even last year when we went to the Edison, it was a great Thanksgiving plate that they made. But this is definitely the spot. Just because of the variety, I think you can't beat that. Yeah. And the highlight of the meal is we met... A listener and our friend Catherine during the meal. Yes. So that was so that was awesome. nice to meet someone new. So good on Whispering Canyon. Then we went and played mini golf after traditional Thanksgiving mini golf. It was fun. And I won. But you, who's counting? Did you win? I did. I probably lost. I think I got like five hole in ones, but you know, humble brag. <laughs> Is it humble if you it, say it like that? Probably not. It's just a brag. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Festival of the holidays. I am so excited. So let's first talk about the storytellers who have come back this year for Festival of the Holidays. I know you're ready to talk about food, Catherine. But I'm just take here a break. for the food. So in each country, they have different people telling the story of how they celebrate the holidays in that country, or they have musical performers, or like in China, they have the dragon, the lion dragon out there performing. And to me, this is what you can't miss. They're awesome. They're fantastic. We've only seen videos of them so far because we have not been. Uh, We just got unblocked out today, but we're going to go tomorrow. And they look outstanding. So there's a barn Santa in Norway. A barn? Yeah. He's supposed to be kind of like, I don't know, he kind of looks like a bum. But it's you're not allowed to say that about Santa Claus. He's, he's traditional, Brendan. But he looks like hilarious. Let me see. Pause. And what are your thoughts? Oh my god, he's incredible. I think this Santa could barn Santa in Norway could rival any other. He deserves his own movie. Like he's giving me elf vibes. He is mischievous. He's so funny. He is like the opposite of an American Santa who just like sits there and smiles. This is incredible. He's dancing. He's he's playing a little flute. No recorder. It's a recorder. This God bless podcast this Santa. is going to change to Disney's recorder podcast. Well, he, we found another are, one. How many times a recorder is going to come up? Who would have thought we'd be talking about recorders at Christmas time? I've got to see this guy. I'm so excited. And it's like a whole show. Not a whole show. It's like a 13-minute thing. Yeah. In Italy, they have La Befana, which is a like Christmas witch lady. Uh, but she's a good witch, and her name means gift giver. She brings gifts to Italian children 
much like Santa Claus does in other countries. I'm here for it. And she has a broom, like a witch. Uh-oh. Uh, they have a Daruma storyteller in Japan. They talked about Japanese New Year traditions. So they have, looks like, uh, different masks and stuff that they wear. Oh, they're good luck dolls. Oh, that's fun. So those are really fun. Then they have a Hanukkah storyteller. We love the Hanukkah area. So this is different than in the past. There was a full band that played this. So far, he's just a man with a guitar. And he's singing, but he's also telling the story of Hanukkah, which I believe today, as the day of recording, is the first day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to anybody who is celebrating. And then France has Para Noel, which he looks amazing. I like this guy. He's very fatherly looking, very Father Christmas, all that good stuff. I mean, I guess more grandpa, grandfatherly. <laughs> okay, you're done. Um, <laughs> the UK also has Father Christmas, their version of Father Christmas, and tells the stories. And then you can meet Santa in the America Pavilion. But the uh, Norway That's Barn the Santa. one to see. But Father Christmas in the UK also, I saw a video of him coming out, and he comes out uh, back in the little maze area in the UK Pavilion, and he's like ringing a bell, and he's singing as he comes in. So they're just... Like, that is what makes this festival so much fun. Yes. I mean, I feel like the holidays make you feel kind of warm and fuzzy. And then these kind of live performers and experiences and getting to see what all these other countries experience during the holidays, that's awesome. I love it so much. And then if you can put the candlelight processional into your plans as well, you will be just like, I feel like the cup runneth over type person. <laughs> like just filled with Christmas cheer. And then the food. Can we talk about food now? Yes. Food. Let's talk about food. So this is a sneakily good food festival too. And I'm going to say, because there is so much to talk about, I was brainstorming how we can do this. We're going to talk about each booth. We'll go one at a time. We both get to pick one thing, including drinks, that we would want to try. Okay. And then that way we don't have to list Maybe everything. Maybe two. Maybe like an honorable mention. We shall see. So first up is the American Holiday Table. I, I don't know. How do you feel just about American booths in general for Epcot festivals? I think... The way that you can spin it and kind of justify it is you do have people from other countries visiting. Like we know that we have all of our European British friends specifically right now who are starting to come back. Maybe they want to experience America during the holidays. I mean, obviously they're already here, but. Yeah, you can go to Wawa and experience America during the holidays. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, I mean, if you hear from Black Friday, there you go. Our great establishment of Denny's. <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't hate it. You okay. hate it? Well, you know, I know you're going to roll your eyes when I bring this up, but I feel burned by those uh, oysters from 
literally, Brendan, nobody feels bad for you because everybody was probably screaming at you when you ordered it. Don't do it. Don't order oysters from a food booth. Yeah, in a theme park. They still haunt me to this day. Well, I... So I have trust issues with the American booths. I'll make the first move then. I'm going to go with the pumpkin gingerbread cheesecake with cranberry whipped cream and candied pumpkin seeds. That was mine. It's only $4.50. Okay, now someone explain this to us because we were talking about this before we started recording. What... What does Disney Food Blog know that the rest of us don't know? Because they said these are Disney Dining Plan eligible. I thought, it's not back, is it? As far as I know, as of today, the time that we're recording, I don't know that it's back. I mean, I feel like that would be big, like, breaking news in the Disney world. But... I don't know. So they told us it would return this year and it we're at the last month. So maybe they're just saying like they told us it would, but I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I would guess spring 2022. So anywho, or late winter when they need the crowds to come in. They'll do free dining. I don't think they need the crowds to come in though. No, I don't think they do either. What's your pick? Mine is I typically wouldn't go for this, but I've been on a stout kick lately, so I am going with the peppermint chocolate stout. I mean, it does sound fun. It does sound very Christmassy. Uh, $5 for six ounces or $9 for 12 ounces. Well, man, you got to go for 12. I mean, go big or go home. Exactly. The next one is the Bavaria Holiday Kitchen. Which is Germany. Which is Germany. Ooh, this one's hard. Ah, uh, ooh, maybe I'll go with the glue, glue wine. <laughs> it's a house-made hot spiced wine. Hot wine? Yeah, sounds Are you fun. Kidding me? Sounds warm. Like if it's cold outside. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna pick. It sounds fun. I'm gonna hold you to this. You're getting it. Okay, let's go. I'm going with the pork schnitzel with mushroom sauce. And spatzel. And spatzel and braised red cabbage. Now, you can put mushroom sauce on anything and I would eat it. That's true. Even ice cream. So, that's where I stand on that. We recently just learned about Linzer cookies the other day. I wasn't a big fan of the one that I tried, but they do have Linzer cookies. They do. So, that's fun. Next up is chestnuts and good cheer. As the name suggests, these are all about nuts. This one's kind of boring. <laughs> you don't like I mean, they're cinnamon glazed, just nuts. Well, you got to pick one. I mean, I guess I'd go almonds. Cinnamon glazed almonds. Yes. For five twenty five. Must be a big bag. I don't. It makes me think of like when you used to go to the mall as a kid, and they would have them, and they always smelled so good. I knew someone. I can't remember who it was. Was it my family? Was it my mom? Someone cracked a tooth on one of those. Oh, my gosh. No, I would always get the free sample. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the American Heritage Gourmet Hot Cocoa with peanut butter whiskey, whipped cream, and candied nuts. Ooh. Heck, yeah, 11 bucks. That's fun. You can also get the peanut butter whiskey with eggnog. So 
Okay. Okay. Next up is the donut box, which now it appears it's just a permanent fixture. I guess it's staying for everyone. Well, I feel like it's been here for a long time. I feel like it was always a permanent fixture, and now they're just using it as a holiday, not a holiday booth, but just a booth in general. A festival booth. Because the other day when we were there and it was Diet Epcot, it was not open. Yeah. From here, I'm going to go with the pumpkin cake donut with pumpkin spice icing, just because pumpkin. I will go. So I will go with one that's not listed on this menu here, but I know that they have. It is a pass holder exclusive, like cookie butter thing, like a mousse or something. It's a little cup of like pudding stuff, but you get to keep the cup. And it's got Mickey and Minnie on it. It says pass holder. Interesting. Okay. This other donut, I don't think I would ever get it because it doesn't sound like my kind of donut, but it's an eggnog cream-filled donut with cinnamon icing and crumbled ginger snap cookies. Eggnog just doesn't do it for me. I'm not a big eggnog person either, but sounds like a fun donut. Next is the holiday hearth desserts. I'm going to go with the red velvet mini bunt cake with cream cheese icing which I'm pretty sure makes an appearance at every single festival. Some variation of it. You cannot go wrong with cream cheese icing. You just can't. That sounds amazing. I'm going to go with snowball cookies. Do you know what they are? No. It sounds fun. Okay. Mouse crunch. Would that be like puppy chow? Yeah, like reindeer food. Yeah. I guess there's a million names for it. They call it mouse crunch. But I don't think I'd want to buy that. Snowball no. cookies. Yeah. Holiday sweets and treats. Uh, not too many things here, but I'm going to go with a s'mores black lager. I would honestly be mad at you if you didn't. Yeah. I guess what stands out to me here, I would try it. Chocolate peppermint shake with the twining peppermint cheer tea. You can also get it. Non-alcoholic or with whipped cream vodka. Okay. It sounds interesting because they make it with the tea. Yeah. I, they also have a Cojito beer, which I've never had Cojito. I'm pretty sure it is Puerto Rican. People in our neighborhood I, sell it. And I've had coworkers talk about it. Maybe, okay, you can get both. Our uh, So somebody in our neighborhood, neighborhood sells uh, Nutella Cojito. We need you to buy, buy some, yeah. Yeah. If you're a police officer and heard that, no, you didn't. We're not going to drink and drive. No, but you can't sell alcohol to your neighbors. Oh, you can't? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you need a liquor license to do that. Oh. Maybe it's non-alcoholic. Yeah, totally. Next up is Lahayam from, I would assume it's over in, where the Hanukkah storyteller is between France and Morocco. Um, I, ooh, this one's tough. There's a lot going on here. Potato latkes. That's what I want. Ooh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, I'll switch then to the pastrami on rye with house-made pickles and deli mustard. I would get it sans mustard. I was, yeah, that's the one that I was kind of banking on you picking. <laughs> um, yeah, potato latkes. That's what you would get? That's what I would get. What are latkes like? Are they like pierogies? I, aren't they like potato pancakes, basically? Oh, yeah. They're like little 
yeah, they're like classic. Yeah, they're like fried, like hash Ooh. fried hash browns almost, it looks like. Heck yeah. You're down for that? I'm down for that. Next up is Las Posadas, which is the Mexico booth. Blessed. Too many things to choose from. Honestly, too many things. I'm going to pick two here. Sorry. I got to go with the tamal, the barbacoa. So it's basically barbacoa beef in a corn masa topped with ranchera salsa, queso cojita, and crema mexicana. $7.50. This, these are some of the most expensive things that we've seen so yeah. far. Mexico always has expensive ones for some reason. So maybe I want to see how big it is because what was it you got a taco the in time taco it was, was a taco no but it was like the taco was one bite it was a and it was just taco. one yeah i would have at least expected two or three no you got one taco and the lime wedge where the lime wedge was bigger than the taco yeah <laughs> um and then for beverages i'm gonna go with the horchata margarita I don't mm. think I've ever had horchata, but it sounds fun. That sounds dangerous. Tequila, Blanco, corn, whiskey, horchata, and cinnamon horchata rum. There's nothing that's not alcoholic in that drink. Sounds fun. <laughs> sounds like Christmas. <laughs> this sounds crazy enough that I just might like it. It's a mistletoe cerveza lager with black currant liqueur. Says it's a new item. I would try that. And then I would do the chorizo tostada. Ooh, we do love some chorizo. Chorizo served on a giant tostada with chipotle, black bean puree, salsa verde, queso, crema, and pickled onions. I like all of those things. That sounds very good. And that's more expensive than the barbacoa. It is. It's $9.75. For that, Oof. Which makes me think it might be big. Next is La Marche de Noël, the France Pavilion. Oh, man. I'm going to need a minute. Mostly because I don't know how to say these things. Oh, my Cranberry God. mimosa. <laughs> this is the funnest part of doing these is... like Watching I'm, me struggle. I'm not good at pronouncing things, but I, I just go into it and I just try. You have the pause and then... I get very nervous. Okay. I'm going to go with the Bouche de Noël Chocolat Blanc <laughs> Framboise. <laughs> it's a chocolate, <laughs> a chocolate Christmas log, chocolate biscuit, white chocolate mousse, raspberry cream, and chocolate fudge coating. That it's sounds new. good. What about the cranberry mimosa, sparkling wine with orange juice and cranberry syrup? Does that sound very French? No, but it sounds fun. Uh, they also have a Dinde Forestier turkey with bacon, mushrooms, and onions, and a mustard cream sauce served with roasted sweet potatoes. See, now it says it's a new item, but I swear I've had something like this before, and I don't think I liked it. Mm. So maybe they tweaked it just a little bit, but I swear I've had that before. So this next one is fun. The Mele Kamiki Maka stand for hawaiian um pork they always have a pork dish i mean i know that's very integral into hawaiian food but at least it's not a pork slider they normally always do pork sliders it usually is 
I'm going to go with the Hupia. How, how Pia? How Pia. How, how Pia. How Pia. I think in Hawaiian, you're supposed to pronounce every uh, um, a vowel. It's a Hawaiian coconut pudding with candied macadamia nuts and coconut. Ooh, see, if it didn't have the coconut, I mean, it's like all coconut. It's like all coconut. But I love macadamia nuts. Very tropical. So I will go with the Lomi Lomi salmon with tomatoes, onions, and yuzu mayonnaise and yucca chips. I thought it's, is it yucca? Is it yucca or yucca? Yucca. 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 Y-U-C-C-A chips. On today's edition of Brennan and Catherine are not cultured at all. <laughs> Ooh, this one is one that I'm very excited for. The Shiwasu Holiday Kitchen, Japan. Which one do you want? The chocolate banana boba. So it's cocoa, Japanese milky drink, banana syrup, strawberry popping boba pearls. That sounds so fun. It does. Uh, I'm very interested to try this. A pomegranate draft lager. Rice lager with hints of pomegranate and lemon. That could be really good or really bad. Yeah, that's, it's, it sounds interesting. But they always do a fun sushi, too, so I want to mention that. They have a sushi tree. It's sashimi-grade tuna, salmon, akura, and yellowtail with vegetables decorated on an artistic bed of rice to celebrate the holidays. So I guess it looks like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, these the food item seems a little adventurous. Soba sounds fun. Soba noodles. Sounds like it'd be hot, but it has shrimp and fish. And again, after your experience, it just makes me a little nervous. Next is the Tangerine Cafe and the Morocco Pavilion. So I'm going with the grilled kebabs with carrot, chickpea salad, and garlic aioli. Ooh, You can okay. either get it as lamb kefta or harasa chicken. And that sounds really good. They do have... A stone-baked Moroccan bread with hummus, fig, and zoo dip. Yep. So that sounds fun. Um, the other thing, they have a fig cocktail with sparkling wine, fig vodka, and cranberry juice. Now, I don't want to get too graphic here, but isn't fig supposed to be like one of those things? No, that's prunes. Oh, right? my goodness. Okay. Disregard. I'm just looking out for you. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. Tuscany. Holiday Kitchen. I dare say, and I don't know if anybody has the same opinion as me, there is year after year, there's not a bigger letdown than the Italy food booths. I don't know why. It's just never very good. It's the same stuff served five different ways. It is. They're very, like, basic, Mm -hmm. it seems. Uh, So I guess for mine, I'm going to go with the... Mezzalune crocati, crocanti, crocanti, crispy half moon breaded mozzarella filled ravioli with pomodoro sauce. I really don't want any of this, but I guess I'll say <laughs> the bombolini alla cioccolato nocchialona. I butchered that. Yeah, you did. Chocolate filled Italian donut with chocolate hazelnut spread and powdered sugar. Are listeners getting anything out of this, you think? I'm not sure. I do usually get the Italian margarita. That's pretty good. It is frozen, 
which is kind of a bummer to me. But, but it, it's not a holiday item. You can literally get it year round. They always have it at every single Italy booth, and they also serve it across the street, where usually the line is a lot shorter. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Normally, the Italian, Italian margarita just has limoncello as the liquor, right? No, I think it has both. Oh, because this one says tequila and limoncello. I thought it was just limoncello. I think it's usually both. Oh. That's okay. what makes it a margarita. All right. So the Yukon Holiday Kitchen in the Canada Pavilion. I can't read Yukon without thinking Yukon Cornelius. Well, I would I would hope so. That's how you know you've made it. I should gain some weight, grow a beard, and be Yukon Cornelius for Halloween next year. Please don't. No? <laughs> no. Let's just get like a pillow. Oh. Like okay. fake it. All right. What are you picking from here? Um, I'm going to say the Snickers doodle cookie with Snickers bar pieces. You don't even like Snickers. But I love Snickerdoodles. I'm going with another dessert beer for mine. It's a peanut butter and banana porter. I can't drink all of these like stouts and porters in one day. But. Not in one day. They have a lot of interesting things, though. They have a maple mousse with cranberry rolled in a gingerbread chiffon cake. That sounds fun. A beef bourguignon. I feel like they always have something like that for the holidays. But do you know what ice wine is? No. So that sounds fun. I don't know what it is. They also have like a maple cookie blonde ale, maple cinnamon coffee beer. Yeah, I'm down for that. They have lots of flavors here. So that's it for all of the actual uh, booths. But they do have some other festival exclusive items that you can get. From the funnel cake stand and America Pavilion, you get a mini pumpkin pie funnel cake. Pumpkin funnel cake topped with ice cream, whipped cream, and graham cracker crumbles. Now, it says new item. I could have sworn they had that before. Yeah, maybe it's just new for this festival. But I do want to say they had something like that for food and wine. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is the first time that they've ever had a pumpkin-flavored funnel cake. Next, at the Joffrey's All Locations, you can get the Carolers, Carolers Cold Brew. Sorry. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Joffrey's French Roast Cold Brew with brown butter toffee, Swiss chocolate syrup, and sweet cream topped with whipped cream and Twix bar pieces. That could be good. It could be good. Um, the Lotus Blossom Cafe in China has house-made cheesy crab wontons. Wow, is that a new item? It's definitely not. They literally have that. They also have what they call fireworks, tequila gold, vodka, orange juice, and mango syrup. We've said it once, and we've said it a million times. China has a very heavy pour, so be careful if you get that one. But that's from Lotus Blossom. That's not from the tea stand. The tea stand is what where they have the really heavy pour, I think. Or is Lotus Blossom? I think Lotus Blossom is the tea stand. I don't oh. think China has a festival booth, did they? Yeah. No, they didn't have a festival booth. What is the quick service called? Oh, I don't remember. Um, I'll keep going while you look it up. Refreshment. That's Lotus Blossom. Okay. Refreshment Outpost has a coconut pineapple cake with Dole Whip. That is something that I must get. The joy of tea is what oh. the tea stand is called. The refreshment port, this sounds fun, has the cojito soft serve waffle cone. 
That sounds good. They also still have their turkey poutine. We tried that. We have tried it before. It's a lot. It is. They also have a uh, pumpkin spice ginger cocktail. Uh, maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe. And then there's a holiday market champagne bar. But the cheapest thing is $14. No, it's nine eighty six. Oh. Very specific. At the bottom. At the bottom. But some of them go up to $45. Yep. Oh, that's Dom Perignon. Dom. Who would... I mean, no no judgment, but who would drink Dom Perignon in Epcot? Hey, tis the season. <laughs> that's what I'm going to get you for Christmas. I... A $45 <laughs> glass of Dom Perignon. <laughs> From Epcot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, that about covers it. I think there's some really good things. These are like the feel-good menu items. Yeah, I mean, these are certain... Like, it's so nice when... The weather's a little bit cooler like it is now, which I just looked at the weather for this week. It's not going to get over 76 at all this entire wow. week. It's going to be in the time. 40s at night. So yeah. this is when you can really like go hard with the Epcot food. With the hot things, yeah. The hot spiced wine. You know I'm what was in. not mentioned here? What? Hottie Toddies in the UK. Oh, my gosh. Do you think they got rid of them? I don't know. We told ourselves we might give it a try because we've never had one. Oh, man. We did walk through there purposely the other day, and they weren't selling them yet. We thought they were just waiting for the festival. But you're right. They weren't listed. Maybe they'll change their mind. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe. But I think if you're going to Festival of the Holidays... Definitely take the time to see those uh, storytellers and performers, all the Santas, especially the barn Santa from Norway. He's at the top of my list. Also, really make sure that you take the time to go see Living with the Land. They have the Christmas lights put up in there, and it is so magical. It is so amazing. And don't get in fights if you go in there. Yeah, apparently that's a thing. Uh, Figment officially has his Christmas sweater on. That should have been what we led the show with. It is. Yeah, that's our favorite thing about the holidays. And if anybody ever sees a plush doll with Figment wearing his Christmas sweater, or maybe someone just needs to be very artsy and knit us a little sweater. Okay, well, just send it to us and send a bill with it, and we will pay whatever <laughs> you say it costs for a little Figment sweater. If they made that into a Funko Pop, you know how quickly that would sell out. Very quickly. You'd buy one. I'd buy multiple. Oh, my goodness. One for every room in our house. (laughs) So, anything else you want to mention on Whispering Canyon, Encanto, Festival of the Holidays, our two-week break, anything? Man, I don't think so. I just think this is a great time of year. If you're coming down, you will not be disappointed, especially with the weather and everything that is being offered, if you haven't seen Encanto, you need to. Hopefully, if you listen to this whole episode, you've seen it because we don't want to spoil anything for you. But I don't know. I'm just happy to be back again. It's I, been a weird two weeks. I do Encanto. I do think Encanto needs to be seen in theaters just for the music. Unless you just have. I don't a, think you can see it on Disney Plus. I know, but some people might wait for it to come out on Disney Plus. Oh, I see. 
Um, so coming up soon, we are working on more storytelling episodes that so we will release those as they are available. We want to really dig in on research for those. So we do. We want to make sure that we're getting all of the information and different perspectives that we can on those as we push them out. And then we will also probably next week, we'll do a three episode review of Hawkeye. So if you want to catch up with us on episodes one through three, you'll be prepared for that next week. And as always, we would love for you to join us over on Patreon. It would mean the world to us. We still have magnets if you would like one. We do just a few. Yep. So we will send you one as soon as you sign up and it will be in your mailbox in five to seven business days. (laughs) And yeah, I think that's it. So we thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for allowing us the time to take a short break over the last two weeks. We're excited to be back and we're excited to chat all things Disney with you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.